so funny. That is our sermon bumper that we were using a couple of weeks ago, and the sound never worked when we wanted it to. And somehow, that just gave you a little right? Excellent. All right. So yes, Brian just told everyone who we were, but do you want to do a little bit more of an intro of yourself, ma'am? Um, my name's Emma. I'm a confirmation student here at Rosa Parks. Let's get that a little bit. Emma and I have a lot in common. One of it is our hair. So we're going to see <laughs> if we can, how's that? Is that better over there? Yes. Emma's one of our confirmation students and I'm Sandy Asker. I am Brian's wife and one of the other pastors here. Emma, how did you find Rosa Parks? Why, why is this your church? Because I was in a class with Callista, and she was like, let's go to church together. And I was like, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we started Rosa Parks three years ago around March 15th of 2020. And somehow in the midst of COVID and whatnot, our, our kids still managed to make friends at school. And so Emma and her family were so grateful we got connected through our kids. So today really is a lot about how kids are part of our church. Sometimes we call them the next generation as if they're not part of things. But at Rosa Parks, if we didn't have people under the age of 18, we wouldn't need so many chairs. So um, we are really grateful for all of the ways that you are involved and all really uh, like over half of our church, half of our church is under the age of 18. So we are grateful for that. So Emma, this is Confirmation Sunday, obviously. Yes. And I thought it might be helpful before we get into kind of the content of today to give you a chance to share with people what was confirmation like for you? Maybe one or two things, memories or things you learned. I got to hang out with amazing people every morning, Sunday at 8.30, which was a struggle. But I also <laughs> got to like make new memories and share my experience with God with them. Excellent. I got to be Emma's confirmation mentor the last two years. And other than both having a lot of hair, one of the things we like to connect on is exercise. Uh, she is quite an athlete. I just try to pretend I'm an athlete. And what is your main, your main deal? I swim. <laughs> it's like the understatement of the morning. What kinds of things do you do with swimming? It's a multitude of things. It can change every week. Like last week was 16 hours of swimming with lifting in the mix, but it always depends on the day. Okay. And what's hard? All of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All of it is difficult. Uh, we are going to talk today about what is hard about following Jesus. Uh, we sort of joked earlier that this is going to be a party today, and sometimes we say party hard, right? So today we're going to talk about following Jesus, about suffering, and what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus's? We're going to read Luke 9, starting at verse 18, going through verse 21. Emma's going to read that for us. Once when Jesus was praying in his private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? Continue? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go through uh, 21. Okay. They, replay, they replied, say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and some still, and others still that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. What do you say I am? Peter answered, God is the Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of a man must suffer many things he, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. 
Excellent. So Jesus has been walking throughout Israel, healing, teaching, uh, messing with people's understandings of who God is. And in this section, we find out that a lot of people are trying to figure out who Jesus is. One of the guesses is that Jesus is John the Baptist. This is the test part of her message. Who's John the Baptist, Emma? He is a prophet, okay. um, along with Elijah, who was a big deal back then. Right. John the Baptist is actually mentioned in the book of Luke as one who was born around the same time as Jesus. And even before he was born, it was said that he was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And then, yes, Elijah, really big deal, Old Testament prophet. So then there's this section in verse 21 where it says Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. What's up with that? Do you remember we talked about that? I don't know, but the previous verse was talking about him feeding fish and bread to 5,000 people. So Okay, so like how, how did people not know who he was, right? This feels like irony. <laughs> don't tell anybody, but I just fed 5,000 people. With only five loaves of bread. Right, <laughs> kind of miraculous. In this section, it feels like he is also trying to make sure that the timing of everything happens the way it should go. Um, this like secret part we talked about a little bit that people who write Bible commentaries and who really study this have a lot of different ideas about why Jesus didn't want people to know who he was. Uh, one of the things we talked about too is Jesus isn't trying to be popular. He was not trying to be famous. He's not looking for a star in Hollywood on that street, whatever, Hollywood Boulevard. Boulevard. Uh, so then we talked about that last question, or that question he asks, who do you say I am? Who do you feel like you learned God is in the midst of confirmation? Like my savior mm -hmm. who saved us? Yep. For sure. I feel like, was there one study where we talked about all the names of God, or am I thinking about something else? Does that ring a bell? I swear I pay attention in confirmation class. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but not answering questions in front on a Sunday morning, right? There are a lot, of, uh, a lot of answers to that question, but the biggest one is, yes, he came to save us. All right, so now we're going to read the next section. Why don't you start again at verse 22 and read through... I already read 22. I know, it's okay. Read it again. Okay. And then read through 26. And he said, The son of a man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be risen to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever who wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life from me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of the Man, will be ashamed of them when he comes to his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Excellent. Okay, so Jesus says to take up, to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily to follow him. We're supposed to lose our life And he earlier talks about, huh, it actually doesn't use that word, does it? 
Oh, it does. 22. He must suffer very many yes. things. Okay, I thought I was losing my mind for a second. So we talked about suffering, Emma. Do you remember what I asked you when we started studying this? What? I asked you, do you feel like you hear about suffering a lot at oh, church? Yeah. What, do you feel like, so let me ask you again. Do you feel like we talk about suffering a lot at church? Definitely. <laughs> I was like, really? Do you feel like we talk about that a lot at Rosa? I thought she was going to say, no. <laughs> I feel like most of the time you go to church and people are like, God loves you. Follow Jesus. Your life is going to be peachy keen. And she's like, no, I think at Rosa we talk about this. So good for us. <laughs> uh, what do you think suffering means then? It can mean a, a lot of different things. For, like, I wouldn't say it necessarily means like, dying, but it could definitely mean giving things up that we want for God. Yeah, for sure. It says daily we're supposed to pick up our cross. So earlier, you just mentioned, Jesus had just, in Luke, fed tons of people, thousands of people. And the disciples said, basically, Jesus, send these people away so they can go get something to eat. And Jesus comes back with, no, you feed them. And the disciples say, but I only have, what is it, five? Five loaves of bread and two fish. So essentially they're saying, with what? But they give Jesus what they have, and they ended up being able to feed all these people. With extra. With extra, exactly. They had leftovers. So they were able to give up something, deny themselves something, and they were able to feed others. So sometimes suffering can be giving up what is ours for the sake of others. Or just disregarding your own interests, like... I want to go for a run, but something needs to be done in the house. Right. Yes, that happened just recently <laughs> to me. Uh, what else is an example of denying yourself for you, Miss Emma, at age 14, 15? Going to practice at 6.30 at night versus staying home and right. sitting on the couch. Yes, absolutely. Or sometimes listening to mom and dad instead of what you want to do. That never happens, I'm sure. No. You're always obedient, I'm sure. We also talked about something that you're very passionate about. What's one of the things you do at high school and volunteer? At Mankato East, I'm a part of the mental health club. So, and that was a very big impact on my life. Yeah, so tell us briefly what happened a couple of years ago. On my swim team, it was 2020 during the COVID year, we lost two people to suicide on our team. Yeah, and so during how many months? Three or four months? Three or four months. Yeah, a coach and a student died by suicide. And so how did the swim team respond? We responded to that by taking into our own actions. We have ways that we talk about it on our team. It's always a mandatory on our team, and that's something that comes first. To talk and make sure everybody's doing well? If you go to the pool at East during their season, you put things on the wall and not just like swim hard or go East, but it's like, what's an example of one of the signs? What do they say? Um, can't remember what You're we, good enough. Do you remember what we wrote? Or you matter? Yes, right. Yeah, so they try to do encouragements for each other and the teammates. And you've made sweatshirts. All our money goes to Mara's Light, 
Yeah, yep, so the family of one of the young women who died has uh, a nonprofit, and they try to do education in the schools and raise awareness. Is that fun? Bringing it up, it's such a hard topic that yeah. like, it definitely takes a chunk out of you. Yeah. I know, like, I've talked to people about it, and it's like, definitely impacts yourself as well. Yep. So that is, in one way, suffering, because it's also taking a part on you. You're not just like, a lot of people think that like everyone's perfect, we're not. And that's one thing that like definitely comes with suffering. Mm -hmm. We had an interesting conversation the other day about coping, that everyone's struggling. Yes, it's like everyone can be going through the exact same things, but it's how you deal with it. So not everyone is gonna deal with someone coming up to you and saying, ooh, that dress doesn't look too good on you. We're all gonna deal with it in a different way. Right, yep. So as we talk about suffering, sometimes suffering means you come alongside someone else who is having a hard time. Right. Sometimes I feel like my life is fairly easy and I could just enjoy it, or I can see someone else who is struggling and choose to come alongside. And in a sense, scripture calls us to that, not to burden ourselves or to take it upon ourselves in a savior mentality mm -hmm. or savior complex, but in the sense that we come alongside and we share. A couple of verses that came to mind as we talk about this is Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So if we are to follow Jesus, we do what Jesus does. And it says here that the Lord comes alongside the brokenhearted. Hebrews 4 talks about Jesus as the high priest. And the writer says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. I also want to say that Jesus never asked us anything that he didn't do, unless you're driving in the cities in the middle of the rain right. with traffic. <laughs> we did talk about that. Jesus never had to drive a car. <laughs> but other than that, right, he has done all the things that we've gone through. Do your coaches ever jump in the water with you? No. Oh, do you wish they would? Sometimes. <laughs> like, I'm in the middle of the set, and they're like, do this. And I'm turning to my friend, I go, they do realize that that's not as easy as it looks. Right. But they probably did do it when they were your age. Yeah. Yeah. And they, do they talk about that? Oh, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm watching practice, I think, man, I wish that the coach would get in every once in a while, but they had their, <laughs> they had their time. So at the end of this section, we decided not to cut out verse 26, although it would have been easier. Actually, Emma wanted to include it, so I'm blaming you for this. Uh, verse 26 says, whoever is ashamed of me, Jesus says, and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father. So what do you, what do you think? What do you want to say about that part? Yeah, I'm starting to realize that we probably should have cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> now you're regretting it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, that's a very harsh. Mm -hmm. It seems a lot worse than I think it actually is. Um, but yeah. But like, what does it look like to be ashamed of Jesus? I asked Emma if anybody ever mocks the fact that you go to church or 
talk about Jesus, and right. that doesn't really happen. It does happen across the world or maybe here in town. Um, I have only had it once in my whole life that someone sort of publicly shamed me for following Jesus. But I think that there are times we can be ashamed of Jesus without it being like a public disgrace. I think of it is, it's like if you, something terrible just happened to you, like you got cancer and it's kind of like, you're not blaming Jesus, but you're like, why did you do this to me? Mm-hmm. Why did you put this impact in my life? Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of think of it as. Yep. Well, and I think if we look at Jesus as our enemy mm-hmm. and we're in any way separating ourselves yeah. or staying apart from, there's a sense of shame. What is the happy part of this? What's the promise that Jesus gives us in the midst of all of this? Jesus says that but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So he's saying when you lose your life, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to save it as well. Right. You can give up your fish and your bread. You're going to be able to share it with everybody else, and you might have leftovers. Right. However, it doesn't always work that way, though, right? It, it doesn't no, it always doesn't. work out. Ra- what did you say? Rainbows and... It's not always going to be rainbows and sunshine. Right. Yeah. If you work this hard for swimming, does it guarantee you a gold medal? No. Right. And I can say that just this past weekend, I went into that meet thinking I was going to drop tons of time, and I walked out, and I go, well, that didn't go as planned. Right. But you've put in all the work. Yes. Yeah. So what Jesus is talking about, it doesn't necessarily mean our expectations or our understanding about how life will go, our times, our yeah. grades, etc. But we do find life. Jesus promises us life and life to the full. So whether that means in our spiritual selves or whether it means in our church life or the fact that you know that someone loves you no matter what. Right. That's life. All right. We talked about what are the main things that we feel like? What's, the, what's one of the two things we said? What's the main thing? Um, it isn't going to come easy. For yep. some, it means death. And for others, it means giving up a cookie. And there are cookies at the back table. <laughs> so that might actually become true for someone. Yep. Sometimes it's the extreme. Some of us are called to give up the extreme. But I think particularly in our country, perhaps that call to pick up our cross daily is more how it's going to apply. What are those little ways that God is asking us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow? Number two. Um, we're never alone. Jesus is always there. And you also have the others. Um, always, you can always rely on other people who are here with you. Yeah, you're not just taking on mental health all by yourself, are you? No, I have a group of 10 other people with me. Right. And do you swim all by yourself? I have, but it's not as fun when I do it with a team. Yeah. In fact, sometimes Emma comes to swim on Tuesdays and Thursdays where Brian and I swim, and her dad or mom will show up and will help with timing. So whether we're there or not, we can't keep up with her, by the way. But your parents even come with you and wake up early, right? Oh, yeah. Exactly. We are not alone. So today, as we celebrate Confirmation Sunday, and we think about the path that these students are on, this is really only the beginning. We hope that it doesn't end here. That doesn't just mean, please keep coming to church. It also (laughs) just means keep following Jesus. Uh, That it is going to be hard work. We're not inviting you into a cakewalk, but we do promise that Jesus is always there, and we are there too. Let's pray, and I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Thanks, Emma. Jesus, we are grateful that you are always here for us. God, we're grateful that you have been at work in the lives of these students and you will continue. 
Jesus, we're grateful that you promise us life and life to the full, that you promise, God, to come close to the brokenhearted and to save those who are crushed in spirit. And Lord, you tell us that we can approach your throne of grace with confidence, that we may receive mercy and find grace as we have times in need. Jesus, thank you that you didn't ask us to do anything that you haven't done and that we get to follow you. We're not alone in this. We get to follow you. Amen.